The Homeland Security Department issued its first-ever emergency directive on something fundamental to the integrity of the Internet, domain name security. It came from the newly renamed Cybersecurity Infrastructure and Security Agency, but it stemmed from agency inattention to an old memo, a 10-year-old memo. Here with details from this week's edition of The Reporter's Notebook, Federal News Network's Jason Miller. Jason, review for us what this Chris Krebs memo asked agencies to do, this directive. Basically, Tom, it's telling agencies to take four steps over the next 10 days, and that 10-day that period actually ends pretty soon. It started the, the 22nd of January, so we're, we're hitting up those 10 days, and basically it says take these four steps. Number one, understand what top-level domains and subdomains you have. A domain could be like usda.gov or interior.gov, and then the subdomains are something like usda.gov backslash you know, uh, National Finance Service or one of their sub-agencies or just any page that has its own name to it. And what basically the DHS is telling agencies to do is say, make sure your domain name servers are secure. So understand where they are, what's on them, and then do a log and then add multi-factor authentication or two-factor authentication to them. And it's, it's got to be done quickly because there's a, as, as Krebs wrote in a blog, there's, they're aware of a number of uh, uh, threats that there's a tampering campaign and it's, it's of great concern to DHS. Now, Krebs has also indicated that because federal agencies failed to follow a memo of many years ago, that's why he had to do the emergency directive now. What's that story? Well, it's interesting because back in 2008, OMB released a, a, a new policy. Karen Evans was the was the quote unquote federal CIO back then, and basically she said, "We know that that protecting the domain name is very important, so let's put this thing called DNSSEC on." And agencies were instructed by January 2009 to do this. Now here we are, 2019, January 2019, 10 years later, and it, it, it's hard to say if agencies met that 100% mark. Now OMB stopped looking at this data in the 2014 Federal Information Security Management Act, or FISMA, report card to Congress, OMB says they made some progress. 92% of all domain names were using DNSSEC, but some of the big domains, like the the Defense Department, the Energy Department, were well behind, and at the time, there were actually uh, six other agencies, so eight in all, that were not at 100%. And I think the point here, Tom, is not so much that Chris Krebs said we should have done this or shouldn't have done this, but that he would not have had to have issued the emergency directive. At the very least, the experts I spoke with from around cybersecurity say, there's been just this inconsistent approach to protecting your domain name. And, and this is a very simple thing. This is not a very complicated uh, protocol to add. It's not very difficult. You have to know where all your domains are and all your subdomains are. But besides that, this this type of DNS uh, attack is what they call kind of an oldie but a goodie. It's a it's a man-in-the-middle attack. So, Tom, we're not talking about something that's all that sophisticated. Yes, that's right. DNSSEC has been a top-line issue for a long time. And in many ways, it's the cyber equivalent of making sure your very front door is locked at night when you go home. In fact, I, ta- I talked to John Pescatore from uh, the Sands Institute, and he goes, listen, agencies have been told to lock their door, but now what D- DHS is basically saying is, hey, there's a lot of burglaries in your neighborhood, so really lock your door this time. And, and I think that's it's, it's kind of a shame that DHS actually has to tell agencies to really lock your door, considering, one, they should have 10 years ago, but second, this is basic cyber hygiene. And I think it's, it's just a very interesting uh, approach that not only DHS is taking, because they're only giving agencies 10 days to do this. And we know time and government time, that is not a lot of time to get something done.
We're speaking with Federal News Network's executive editor, Jason Miller. And who within an agency is the belly button that they're pushing? Is it the chief information security officer or does it go right up to the CIO? Well, it goes even above that. I would say it goes to the secretary and deputy secretary. I think that's who this emergency directive went to. And what the experts tell me is basically uh, DHS is telling those secretaries and deputy secretaries, this is your most important initiative today, right now, get it done. And I think that gets flowed down to the CIOs and the chief information security officers and the systems administrators. Now, Tom, what's also interesting about this is they're saying put in multi-factor authentication. And what OMB had required, again, under Homeland Security Presidential Directive 12, HSPD 12, and the use of smart identity cards was privileged users. These are the systems administrators to be using or have at least two-factor authentication. What's unclear is that whether or not the systems themselves, the servers that handle the DNS, the, 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 the software that runs the DNS, if those also can handle two-factor authentication. It's one thing to log onto your network, but it's another thing for these other systems and servers to also handle uh, two-factor or multi-factor authentication. Does DHS have a mechanism by which they can go back and make sure agencies are buttoned up on this when the deadline comes? That's the one thing about the, this directive that's very interesting as well, Tom, is that a lot of times when I talk to the experts, they said they were very impressed by the fact that not only were there's the 10-day mark, but, but, but number four says not only audit your logs, but send us your information of those log audits so we can see what you're missing or what was missed and if anything has changed. Because once you have that entire initial like baseline log, you know when things are changed or you know when something happens. And that's a really good starting point to stop these phishing attacks, these, these type of um, you know, uh, D- D- DNS hijacking attacks. So DHS will go back and look at some of those logs and, and, and really look at the data that, that agencies are going to provide them. Now, unfortunately, there's no guarantee that the agencies will find every single DNS domain name system, but they, at least it's a getting at least the first step forward that they probably haven't really looked at this since 2014, 2015 timeframe. I think if Karen Evans were at OMB today, she would have everybody on the carpet and she would have the list of things they missed and present it to them. Karen Evans is probably shaking her head as she listens to us talk about this again 10 years later. So you're probably right on that one. And Jason, also in this week's notebook, you're writing about the rebound of contractors trying to get paid now that the government is fully back open. What is the latest there? This is a very interesting because we all in the community like to focus on feds and rightly so. I mean, feds, 800,000 feds were impacted by the shutdown and there's a lot of concern about when they'll get paid. We know contractors, Tom, they don't get back pay. And in fact, not only does the shutdown end on ended on Monday for uh, federal employees, but for a lot of contractors, the shutdown is two, three, four, five days away from ending because when an agency issues a stop work order, it's not just, okay, we've stopped the work. Okay, we can rescind it and everyone's back to work. Remember, all the milestones have been pushed to the right. There's people who, who may have switched jobs or switched companies or switched projects. There's a lot that still has to be done for contractors. And then there's all the pieces and parts that got pushed, all the milestones pushed to the right. I, I spoke with, for instance, Jim Williams, the, the former DHS and GSA executive. He tells me that it's, it's a matter of meetings. It, it's, it's once the agencies come back to work, the CFO has to tell the program the money is there. The, the program manager has to tell the contracting officer that the money is there to call the, to rescind the stop work order. The contracting officer has to rescind the stop work order, and then the vendor can come back on, on the job. But even at that point, just because a contracting uh, a stop work order has been rescinded, doesn't mean they can start working because they had milestones and deadlines that were due 
you know, a, a week from now, a month from now, that all are going to get pushed to the right. So renegotiation has to happen on top of that. So while feds in many ways can breathe maybe a small sigh of relief, many contractors are waiting to breathe that sigh of relief for two, three, four more days. Yes, the longer the machinery sits, the rustier it basically gets, and the tougher it is to reopen to full speed. Exactly. And one of the reasons why I started looking into this was uh, Soraya Korea, the DHS chief procurement officer, actually put a notice on FedDesOps saying whenever this shutdown does end, she put it back in, in, in January 17th, so it's well before the shutdown ended, but she said whenever it does end, we're going to push RFPs, RFIs, responses to those. We're going to push those all to the right by at least five days or seven days. And I think that was a really smart move by her to tell the contractors what to expect specifically around RFPs and RFIs. Now, she does not address, okay, when, you, when, when the shutdown does end, we're going to get you back to work in X amount of days. I, I think that's, that's on a case-by-case basis. And from the experts I spoke with, like David Grant, former FEMA associate administrator and now a consultant, he tells me, you know, th- this is a long process and there's a lot of vendors who are hurting. And, you know, the sooner they can go back to work, the better. But at the same time, all these other pieces and parts have to fall into place first. Federal News Network's Jason Miller, thanks so much. Thank you, Tom. Check out his reporter's notebook now online at federalnewsnetwork.com. <coughs> Cough and cold season is here. Introducing Ricola Max Throat Care, Ricola's most powerful drop yet. It's the best of Swiss nature wrapped around a powerful liquid menthol center for maximum relief from your worst cough and sore throat. Maximum nature for maximum relief. Try the new Ricola Max now, available in the cold and cough aisle. It's in our nature.